Hey guys, thank you for coming out today. How many slid in today? How many drove out here by faith? You had to get here. You got here by faith. You got to raise your hand. All right. Now, if you're upset about the weather, by 5 o'clock it'll end, okay? And it'll be warm and it'll be cold again. But really, uh, and you guys actually braved the weather and came out and it wasn't easy, was it? It wasn't easy getting out here. I know it was tough getting out here. Well, the series we're going to talk about the next four weeks is called Thrive. And one thing about Thrive, it talks about abundance. But to thrive, sometimes you got to press through some hard things to thrive. Thriving is not easy. Even if you think about a plant growing through the, the ground, it has to, to thrive. It has to bust through that dirt and it continue to go in all types of weather, warm, cold. If it's in Texas, something's going on. Hello. I'm good? Okay. Warm, cold, especially in Texas weather, it has to be able to thrive. If you know Texas, if you don't have a plant in the ground, you're going to have a weed in the ground. Because everything grows in Texas, regardless if you plant it or not. And what it is, is next four weeks we're going to talk about Thrive, how to flourish in life. And what I want to do is give you a, um, just a backdrop, but give you an introduction of what we're going to talk about the next three weeks. This one is called Preparing to Thrive. And we're going to go through this theme scripture is Psalms 92, verses 12 through 14. Psalms 92, 12 through 14. This is our theme scripture for the whole series, and we're going to talk about different things. And I want to just give you a couple an introduction to it. If you know about Psalm 92, it's the only psalm that's designated for the Sabbath. It's the only psalm that's been spoke about for about the Sabbath day. Today is the Sabbath, a day that we get to celebrate God and, and um, celebrate his name and worship, worship him and worship together. So let's go ahead and go to 92, verses 12 through 14. And I'll start reading. I have the ESV again. And if you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. Again, here we go. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like cedar in Lebanon, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. I love that one. And they are ever full of sap and green. Now, if you look at the ever full, in the Hebrew, it means fat. So if you know slang, when we were growing up, someone said it was fat. That means it was good. So it's fat. So old folks in the Lord are fat. They're good. They're awesome. They're not fat, fat. They're full of the Lord. Amen? All right. Don't look at people. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that this time we have together, as we talk about thriving, that it is our heart's desire to, fly, to, to flourish and to thrive, but also it is our birthright to thrive. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, you'll see here on this psalm, I love the psalmist, when they wrote this, what they did, they used just nature around them and they're able to take this and put this together and, and tell a story. In this short little passage, you see some things here. The word flourish is mentioned twice. If you look at the word flourish, it means to grow or develop in a healthy and vigorous way, in a particularly favorable environment. In a favorable environment. And he talks about when they, they translate that into a favorable environment is the house of God. Second thing, when I looked up the word thrive, it's interesting what it says. It says to, to grow or develop vigorously, to flourish. 
So thriving and flourish of the same thing. And he uses some imagery here, which I love. Talks about a palm tree and cedar. And if you, when you read the Bible, a palm tree and a cedar have significance in, uh, in the work and the things that is shown on it. First thing is, the first thing you notice, though, you can't flourish unless you plant it. Come on, somebody. You know you can't flourish unless you plant it. You're, you're, you know, one of the bushes that we, we do landscaping, one of the bushes that we thought, saw a hard time to kill when we were in our house by the zoo was a rose bush. One day, me and Miss Donna wanted to go out. This thing was growing all over the place, and we went in the backyard, and we just thought we killed that tree. We thought we just cut it down, and then we put it underneath the dirt, and we said, that thing is gone. Well, again, this is Texas. Six months later, the thing grew back even bigger. We thought we killed the thing. We didn't pull a root. We thought we pulled a root, but the roots went so far down, we didn't catch it. It's hard. If you have rose bushes or you're not good at landscaping, get you a rose bush and you look intelligent. Because <laughs> it will grow in anything. Which transition, when you look at, he's talking about palm trees, and he's looking at cedar. One thing about a palm tree, it'll grow in any condition. Three things when you look at the scripture. I call this a theological reality. Verse 12 says it's strong, secure, verse 13, and fruitful. He talks about these trees. Now, this is God talking about the people of God in the house of God. This is who we are. When you plan our lives in the house with Jesus, this is who we are. We're strong. We're secure, and we are fruitful. And that's what it's saying about us. And I call this a theological reality. But it's interesting, unless we have faith, we won't believe we're strong, secure, or fruitful. We'll believe our condition versus our position. Because the palm tree is an amazing thing. We lived, me and Ms. Don lived in Florida, and Florida had all the palm trees. It grew way up in the air. Fabulous trees. And the storms came, they rocked, they go back and forth, they hit the ground, and then when the storm was over, still standing. Then we went to, we drove through Palm Springs, California. Palm Springs, California is nothing but dirt and palm trees. That's all there in a Walmart. Dirt and palm trees. And it can grow in the desert with no water, seem like. Because it's strong, secure, and fruitful. One thing I looked at, I researched palm trees. The ones he was talking about here back in these days were 80 feet high and about 20 foot in length. I mean, 20 foot length um, branches. 80 feet high. Now, they call them heavy-bearing trees because this was interesting. The tree can take up to three 
to 400 pounds of fruit. And it will stand. You ever see a palm tree that doesn't have side branches? It's all on top. It would take three to 400 pounds of fruit daily, a week, I mean yearly. And people would eat off that. And it wouldn't lean. It wouldn't sway. It stood strong. That's an amazing tree. And then it said this. I really like this. And us seasoned folks can agree with this. The older the tree, the sweeter the fruit. Right, honey? Yeah, boy. Yeah. And it went for generations. So you can never say, I'm too old. No. Those who are in the house of God are never too old. And the older you are, the sweeter your ministry will become. It's a theological reality. Think about it. One thing about, they said, the palm tree... <laughs> when we see the storms and it's getting back and getting beat up and knocked back and forth, they said it made them stronger. How many feel like you're going through a, strong, a storm right now? Well, you're getting stronger. That's what it says in the Bible. Because it, it has a tap root that goes down and then it spreads out. And it plants itself. Now, you know, oak trees, when it gets a little, they'll, they'll fall over. But you can't, I've never seen an uprooted palm tree. And I've never seen one lean because the fruit was too heavy. It realized something. God made it going straight to heaven. He's talking about us. Now, the cedar is an amazing thing. The cedar would be 120 feet high, six foot in diameter. And every time you read in the Old Testament and New Testament about cedar wood, they want built all their greatest castles and structures with cedar wood because it was valuable and it was durable. Brother of Christ, you're valuable and you're durable. That's what God says about us. Not what someone else said about you. This is what God says about you. He uses the analogy of trees. Valuable and durable. Can handle the load. Can be bent back and forth, but always spring back up. When I was a little kid, you had the little, you hit it, back up. That's us. Love this scripture. I didn't know all that was in there. When you read a scripture like this, read, why is he putting trees? Look at the background of it. And now you have it easy. Just go to Wikipedia. It'll tell you all this stuff. But it's amazing. This is what I'm just saying what God says the people of God are when you're planted in the house of God. Now, make your, take your mind off this way. Suppose you're not planted. Everything I just said is reciprocal. You're not strong. You're not secure because you're insecure, and you're definitely not fruitful, and you won't last for generations because the trees will last for generations. That means if I'm eating the tree of that tree, my son and his son's sons will eat of that tree because it lasts. Whatever God puts together lasts forever. Amen? Now, I told you that's a theological 
reality. And some of us don't feel that because we go by feelings. But how do we get from a theological reality to where I'm at? How do I get there? How do I get from here to there? That's the question. I'm talking about preparing to thrive. How do I get from this becomes me? How do I get there? I'm going to spend a couple minutes telling you how to do that. I'm going to give you some principles on building a thriving and productive life. One of the number one things, guys, listen to me. I ended with this last, last week, and the Lord just showed it to me to bring it up this week. There's three of them, positioning, thinking, and enjoying. Positioning. One thing that God showed me, that somehow we define ourselves by our condition, not our position. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. It was a great quote by Joseph Prince. We have an enemy. How many believe we have an enemy, the devil? You know what his job is? Put that quote, thank you, sir. He wants you to focus on your condition instead of your position in Christ. Think about it. In the Eastern culture, whenever you ask them how they were doing, they gave you two, one, two answers, the relationship with God in relationship with people. Whenever we ask him about how is your world, how are you doing, you give us the condition. And then you define your life by the condition versus your position. When you're catching a lot of flack, you can, it's easy to lose your position. Especially the devil's telling you that you're in this position or in this condition because you don't have a position in Christ. He can't stand you. He, can't put up, he doesn't want to put up with you. The lies. He doesn't love you. You screwed up too bad. Well, you forgot when Jesus died on the cross, he, present, he gave us a new position. His love and his mercy, he didn't just say it, he did it. Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 4 through 7. But God, rich, being rich in what? Because of his great what? With us which he loved us. How did he do that? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were rejecting him, even though we said we don't believe in God, he says, I believe in you. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, not by works. By mercy and grace, we have been saved. And he raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so that the coming ages, long time, he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness taught us in Christ Jesus. Think about it. That's a theological reality, but we walk here in a natural world. We always have to remember our, where we are in Christ, regardless what's going on. When you go down to chapter 2, even further, it says you're higher, lifted up, far above all things. So I want to give you a mental picture because sometimes we forget. Guys, put the ladder right over here in the middle. I, am ch- I didn't clear this with my wife, but that's okay. Because you guys are holding the ladder. Is that okay, honey? Yeah. I'm not picking anybody up and breaking my shoulder. Okay. When you say I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ, Christ is on the right hand of the Father, which represents honor. Regardless, and he says far above. He's talking about this. Help me turn around. Okay. Got nice shoes on. I don't want to bust them up. 
The reality is I'm here. Crisis is down there. Sickness is way down there. Stress, I don't want to see it unless I look down. When I'm looking, when the father looks at the son, the son's looking at us. And interesting, the, the son is sitting down. So he's not worried. So I'm going to sit with him until the storm goes. Because the higher it is, the storm's not going to touch me. Now, I might get blown, but it says in, the, in Psalms, his right hand holds me up. Yeah. <laughs> his right hand, which is a form of honor, because I honor my children. I love my children. I'm impressing my children. I'm so proud of my children. Why would I let them go? And he builds storms sometimes to show us how much he loves us. And when you're sitting there and you're thinking about your condition, you forget your position. And I want to give you a mental picture because this is a theological truth, but we need faith to believe it. And remember it. We're not worms. We're not dead. We're not over. We're God's children. This is the thing God gave me. We were in prayer the other night in prayer group. And this is what the Lord said. He said this. The drought in California, the drought all around. I shared this with Dan a little bit. The drought in America right now, the drought of leadership, the drought of ingenuity, the drought of vision, causes so much chaos here on the ground. And God said this, I'm going to break the drought through my people. Because he says this, out of us flows rivers of living water. If we have living water flowing out of us, we will clear up any drought in your marriage, any drought in your workplace, any drought in the community, any drought on the campus. But you got to believe you have living water out of you. Whenever you think you're in such a bad condition, you think you have nothing to offer. You think you're not worthy of anything. And that's not the truth because you labor ourselves by condition. People are dying from that. I don't look good enough. I'm not good. I'm not this. I'm that. You're God's child. And to have a thriving life, we have to consistently, consistently know this. On your worst day, read it. When everything seems to be going south, read it. And it'll give you a perspective because, you know, when I'm up here, life looks a whole lot better. because the rats can't climb up hills. And everything that we think, when he says, I put everything underneath my feet, your feet, it's under your feet. Depression is under your feet. Bondage is way under your feet. It's not our birthright. This is our birthright. I was down here until he, what, he said, what this, go back to that scripture. What does it say? I was down here. He did what? Go back to, yeah. He did what? Did he, did he do us down or did he raise us up? <laughs> yeah. Every day, guys, on your worst day, you're here. On your worst criticism, you're here. 
whatever your mother and your father said about you, you're here. Because they don't know they're here if they don't know Jesus. You're valuable. You're durable. You should feel secure in this. The second thing is thinking. Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this what? But be transformed by the renewal of what? That by testing you may discern what the will of God is. Good and acceptable. Thank you, sir. And what? You always hear me, and I sound like a broken record sometimes. <laughs> read your Bible every day, and every day read your Bible. Because when I read the Bible, it transforms my mind. I got to get it as much as you do, guys. It's not like I was talking to a guy last Sunday. He says, people working in the church, they think we sit up here and read our Bibles every day. <laughs> if that's the case, we're not going to get anything done. We're not sitting there praying and reading our Bibles every day. It's a lot of work to get done. And stuff takes by faith and budgets and all that other stuff and movement and believing God for big things. But you got to always remember, the world will say, that's impossible for you to do it. And God says, all things are possible with me. i got to keep that in my mind at all times. It shouldn't be a broken record in our heart when it says, every day got to read my Bible and every day i got to read my Bible. Because, again... Those who walk in the drought don't read their Bibles. Those who, don't, who walk with God read their Bibles. Here's a good quote by Warren Risby. The world wants you to control your mind, but God wants to transform your mind. They want to control your mind. They program your mind. Desensitize your mind where things used to be like, I wouldn't watch that. It's okay now because it's, your mind's been desensitized to it. Where God keeps it sharp, transforms our mind. We have a God that transforms, not refurbished. He transforms our mind. He keeps me on top of, uh, in heavenly places. I'm not defined by, my, who I, by what I do. I'm defined by who I am. Remember I said last year, last week, we were having problems with our identity. I told the group this morning, I said, when we go to Cincinnati, we can't be walking around like, I hope this works. We got to be like up on it. It's like, this guy, hey, Jesus works. How do you know? Look at me. Let me share my life with you. It's not about being perfect. It's about being submissive. But it's got to be by faith. Everything we do is by faith. And you got to keep your faith because the world wants to take your faith. Don't become a reality um, thinker. This is all there is, reality. This is reality. No, it isn't. This is not true TV. This is, the, this is the kingdom of God. Don't be a bottom line thinker. In the Bible, you can't because you'll lose your faith. I know what it looks like, but I know what God can transform all things right before your very eyes. It didn't exist today, but it will definitely exist tomorrow, especially if I'm at the door knocking. Come on, somebody. Thinking. Thinking. 
thinking. Position thinking. And the last one is, which <laughs> I got to get through this one. Enjoying. I told someone the other day, stop acting so old. Remember, the Bible says the older you get, the sweeter it gets. Now, I know that's true. Because when you're older, you know what you're doing. And you ain't got to wear out yourself because you know exactly what to do. But think about it. Enjoying. How do you enjoy life? Here's a principle that we don't, we shoot, we shoot down, we put this out to you every single, every week. How to really enjoy life. Because when you start enjoying life the way the Bible says, you start really acting like and being like your father. 1 Timothy 6. As for the rich in this present age. Now, you're going to say, I'm not rich, I'm a college student. Go to Africa. You got a quarter? You're rich. Charge them not to be hardy, don't be prideful, or set their hopes on the what? Yeah. But on God who richly provides with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up a treasure for themselves, a good foundation for the future so they may Take hold, which is what? Truly what? Life is not, getting is not life. Giving is life. I have never met an unhappy giver. There's a man that died in our city just not, not too long ago. One of the richest guy in, in, uh, in Abilene. Died a, a horrendous death on the, by the corner of where we live, not too far from where we live. You know something? Nobody. Hardly knew about it. No one hardly. These people showed up, but he should have been honored. But he was rich, but he was angry. Because he wasn't a natural giver. He was a natural getter. Basically, life is about giving. All of it's about giving. Giving of yourself, giving of your finance, giving everything. That's when you become more like your father, and life becomes great, really, because we kind of lost our humor, haven't we? How do I admit that you don't laugh like you used to? You find the seriousness in everything. You even laugh, well, I can't, be, I can't hold on to this much longer. No one laughs. First, you need to look at yourself. You need to laugh now. I do that all the time. The older you get, the more life should become more rich to you. I was telling them the other, I told the uh, new class today, I said, you know, the richest, I was so, I'm so rich in this place, and I'm not going to embarrass some of you guys. I remember when the, half the praise team was this, this tall, playing in the back in, in, first, in uh, first and second grade. Yeah, I know who you are. And I watched them grow up. <laughs> I got pictures, too. If any college student want to make a, make a living, I mean, well, help me out. I'll pay you. Anyway, but they grow up this tall, and you get to see that. You get to see relationships grow. You see, to see little kids grow up to be, do great things. That's, that's something you don't even notice anymore. 
Because we're so caught up in our condition. Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church said this quote. He's doing a series on, um, I love it. It's called, um, Giants and Apples, something like that. He said this. Oh, yeah, Giants and, uh, yeah, Giants and Apples. Some of us are living the life discouraged by variables we can't control. The place we were born, the skills we don't have, other people's choices that affect us. Over time, we keep letting these circumstances have power over us, and we end up living life defeated. As Christians, we, when we define ourselves, this is the most powerful part, by the things we can't control, we lose sight of the one who's ultimately in control, who lives inside of us. When we define ourselves the things you can't control, and if you can have a defeated life and come to church and celebrate how defeated I am, and we can play music telling me how defeated I am, how much I'm a worm and how much I'm broken down, versus music that says, we can go, let's go, we let's change the world, we can do all these things because I'm not a worm. I was, but now I am a child of God. I can't control the economy. I cannot control the, the weather. But I can definitely have fun in it because what else are you going to do? Worry about it? And you have this to look forward to. Brother, you got it all. Don't worry about nothing. And I got it here, too. You just don't see it. It just grows everywhere else. That's where we are, a lot of us. We define our lives by the things we just can't control. You know anything is solid in my life? It's Jesus Christ. Can I get, we and Miss Donna can't control our marriage. Only Christ can. And I let him control it and take control, authority over it. So I can enjoy it again. Don't take life so seriously. Change the life around you. When you're thriving, you're changing life around you. Is it tough? Yes. We were built to go through storms. Bible never said <laughs> we will be storm free. It says you'll be storm proof, but not free. You're like, oh my gosh. I'm doing everything I can to get out of a storm. That means you're heading right into one right now. <laughs> That's what it's about, guys. Enjoy it because you're growing in it. You're thriving in it. You don't feel like you're thriving, but you're actually thriving. Mr. Brad here lifts some weights I wouldn't even touch. And Brad, it hurts to lift those weights, don't it? Until you get in the mirror and say, <laughs> right? And Pastor Rich says, good on you, Brad. Wait till you're 50. <laughs> Whatever you put up, you got to keep up, brother. <laughs> but it's friction. Plants that grow is friction. But it always makes you better. 
the trips ahead of you, the campus ahead of us, the community ahead of us is going to be friction. But I love the analogy of an airplane. You know how an airplane gets off the ground? Pressure is pushing it down for it to go up. It's not like, lift me up. No, you got to have pressure enough to get off the ground. And that's, sometimes that's Christianity. Most of the time it is. And the pressure is getting greater. But go back to those first three for me, sir. Always remember your position. Continue thinking the way the Bible, what the Bible says about you. And start enjoying your life. I'll give you, I'll, I'll do this. How many of you guys right now, right now, are going through a storm? Just stand up. Doesn't matter with you.